Good afternoon, this is Theo Henderson from We and House. Today is D-Day. Today is November 3rd, 2020, and this is the big election. City and government. President Trump against contender Joe Biden. As we are here as the unhoused community, they are stating that our voice has nothing to matter, particularly locally. And when I'm completed, you may not be aware that there is a battle where I'm going to put my ballot before the next You don't have to put it in the city attorney. There's also a place where you can put it here. But let's take a walk and see running around talking about order and displacing the house. As the board of financial resources to afford the houses here Attention in Los Angeles, as well as to support the themselves because of, of draconian COVID-19 and the economic policies. But here as is you can the see here, today where our voice matters. Unhoused voices is in paramount in order for these issues that affect us. And for them to affect here us, is we have to be able to have a voice and make sure that they understand that we're citizens of the United so. States as well. Here's we have a voice and it matters. For all so as we walk Here's along Los and County move and move some of the places in this and they show you location one, here at the Pentagon, you check in with your sample ballot. Number two, you go to any available ballot marking device. Number three, select a language and customize your settings. Number four, begin voting or scan your poll pass. Number five, review your selections on the screen and your ballot. And number six, you cast your ballot back into the ballot marking device. Here's where the unhoused community is not exactly for everybody. Let's suppose because of the legal uh, difficulties, particularly 4118, that precludes that unhoused people are not to be sitting, lying, or sleeping, and they are basically in our day-to-day existence. They're unable so to charge their phone. A misdemeanor. If you're polling for someone to, vote, to run for office, if they can't that's charge their phones or they'll be run out, or as in my previous episode, some of the guests have been saying, the police refuses to allow them to charge their phones in certain places, certain outlets. We're in COVID-19. There are no places where they allow unhoused people to go in and charge their phones. Starbucks has removed those charging places. The libraries are closed. So where are they going to? So how is this all for all people? Well, one of the best solutions that I've noticed is Streetwatch has instituted for some time power up. It has allowed the unhoused community to charge their phones and become plugged into the society that so desperately wants them gone and erased. So one of the things that we are doing today is highlighting where the places is. As you can see here, Hamilton says over here. As you can see, voting for all people needs to be realized that unhoused people are people that you have a consistent. Maybe next time this, uh, the voting places will have 
charging stations for unhoused people to vote as well. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused. There will be more to follow. Today is D-Day, November 3rd, 2020. And this is the election of, of the century, I have to say. We're still here in Hollywood, and we have one of the uh, former, one of our guests that was on our show in episode seven, Nithya Raman, and her, uh, one of the volunteers is out here uh, helping out to make sure her name is known to people that are potentially casting their ballots. Uh, without further ado, let's introduce and uh, get her perspective. What does she think was really going on for today? Hello, my name is Leo. What's your name? Hi, I'm Carly Torres. So tell us a little bit about what's going on today. Uh, today I'm out here, I'm tabling, I'm just a volunteer for Nithya. Um, we want to make sure that people who haven't been following the city council election that closely, maybe don't know what our current council member and uh, Nithya Raman really stand for, their platform. So we just want to make sure people have information before they come in to vote. What is going on in the city council right now and why is it so important that we get Nithya on the uh, on on board. Well, there's been recent talk of um, actually new legislation that would further criminalize homelessness, making it illegal to sit or sleep on the sidewalks in certain areas uh, without really providing enough services to get people into homes. So one of Nithya's really big uh, platforms is actually getting services for people experiencing homelessness. Uh, not just talking about it uh, and saying, oh, we're trying, but really doing the hard work to make sure we're providing affordable housing and all the resources that people need to get off the street. Interesting. Um, recently, the city attorney, Mike Fuhrer, who drafted an ordinance to uh, expand and heighten uh, 4118, who makes $200,000 a year, that sleeps in a house every night, is trying to stay that that we could do, be compassionate by criminalizing the unhoused. What is your perspective on that? I, I, to me, it seems very obvious that that just doesn't work. It's been the policy so far. Uh, nobody's really proposing new initiatives. Uh, what we're doing right now isn't working. And uh, so I'm really excited to get Nithya on the city council to actually start per, uh, spurring on real change. Uh, people need housing. Why do you think that the uh, city is still doing the same thing? How many lawsuits is it going to take for them to stop criminalizing the unhoused community? Do you think that this measure that they're going to do would be successful in getting unhoused people housing? I mean, the measure I don't think would be successful uh, at all. Uh, hopefully it doesn't pass. I think, you know, there's been a very strong backlash. Uh, you know, people have been asking for change, and this is the exact opposite of what we're looking for. Uh, so hopefully this, you know, is dead in the water, and you know, with Nithya on the city council, and hopefully more and more actual progressives in LA. Uh, LA is a very progressive city, and it's not really represented in our city council. The city council has so much power. Uh, 
So I, I'm hopeful that with this real swell of support for progressive movements and causes, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that, you know, with a more progressive city council, we'll actually have um, the power to make changes and help end homelessness. You know, one of the things that I noticed is like that we, one of the people that pushed this was Nuri Martinez has pushed this back to November 24th. And in this cause, there were people that perhaps were uh, people of color that were making the same harmful statements that uh, white supremacists would say about the unhoused community. In particular, for example, some of these people are, are what you see on the sidelines uh, uh, trying to get council rent and rent forgiveness. Why is it that they don't see that houselessness is one step, one rung between that? What if they don't approve rent or, or uh, cancel rent? Yeah. What happens when they go out in the street and those same proposals and those same measures are affecting them? Do you think they would change their tune? I, I think so. I, you know, I think it's human nature. We all want to think that we're okay, we're safe, you know, it's not as bad for us. Uh, a lot of people don't want to reckon with the idea that we really, so many people are one bad month, one health emergency, a layoff from being in the same position, um, being housing unstable, being homeless. Um, it's scary and people don't want to believe that that could happen to them. So I, I hope people can really put themselves in other shoes and really be honest with themselves and think about you know, providing as much care as you would want for your family, your friends, you know. I don't think anybody wakes up and thinks or wants or hopes to be homeless, but there's so many things that can push you into that situation. And why not provide support for people to get out of that situation and things like canceling rent. You know, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> so many people are unemployed, myself included, you know to be able to cancel rent and take that burden off of people right now, keep people in their homes, it's common sense to me and I really hope that, you know, uh, people will come around to that. Well, it's my hope that Dory Martinez does because according to her, her family's safety is more important than unhoused family's safety, uh, people that have children too. They keep saying quality of concern, but it is only to her and her family and people that are housed. It doesn't seem to be concerning about the unhoused families that are out here because these kids that Nuri Martinez is always so concerned about her children going to school, those are the ones, the message that they seem to get from her and her kids. So um, thank you very much again. This is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. We're going to be building about in different other locations, uh, getting, out, getting out the word to vote and as well as learn uh, some of the perspectives of different people. Thank you again. May we again be in the light of understanding. Thank you. Segregation loaded. Turn me round, turn me round, turn me round. Hang on and let segregation loaded. Turn me round and keep on a walking, yeah. Keep on a talking, yeah. Marching up to freedom, yeah. Hang on and let no jailhouse loaded. Turn me round, turn me round, turn me round. Hang on and let no jailhouse. Turn me round and keep on. Keep on a talking, marching up to freedom. Yeah. Hang on, I let no nervous nearly load him. Turn me round, turn me round, turn me round. Ain't gonna let no nervous nearly load him.
Tell me well, keep on walking, yeah, yeah. Keep on talking, yeah. Marching up to freedom, yeah. Hang on a little chief, fit to the Lord. Yeah. Tell me well, tell me well. Tell me well, ain't gonna let you preach it, Lord. Tell me well, keep on a walking, Lord. Keep on a talking, Lord. Marching up to freedom, Lord. Hang on a lead, may I kill it, Lord. Tell me well, tell me well. Tell me well, ain't gonna let me kill it, Lord. Tell me well, keep on a walking, Lord. Keep on a talking, Lord. Marching up to freedom, Lord. This is C.O. Henderson from We In House. We are here at Union Station. Union Station was where a voting spot, uh, polling place, as well as where you get your COVID-19. As you can see here, there says no food, drink, or gum 20 minutes before your test. Uh, so of course it's in Spanish as well. And here is pre-booked appointments that you would have to book uh, before I guess you're tested. So as we go around, here's a people. So we're going to take a tour around the rest of the part of Union Station to see what else they have around. Union Station is very unique because Union Station has a very anti-unhoused policy. Did you know that they are refusing, for example, they have select seating where the unhoused are not allowed to sit. You must have a traveling ticket in order for you to, uh, to be able to sit in those chairs. And if you, they make it such a way to have locking apparatus there, locking apparatus there in order for you to stop you from uh, taking those kind of uh, seats. Or as, as you know, unhoused people like to sit like everyone else, but they want to create a, a barrier there. This is Theo Henderson for We and House there, Mortarball.
This is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. On our way to Union Station, the ballot uh, voting place, we have came across an interesting statement here. Go vote Gens. I don't know what what Gens is. Gen Gen Z. Uh, this is a poster that says to go vote Gen Z. What's Gen Z? Gen Z is generation. Gener Gen Z is more like. A, oh, Gen Z. Uh, yeah, gener yeah, that Gen like Generation X, Y, Z. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like I, I do have it on the back side. It's like go vote millennial. Yeah, yeah. And I'm voting for like Joe Biden because oh, cool. I want to keep the peace. Right, right, right. Yeah. But why, are, why are you not voting for uh, Trump? No, I'm not voting for either, but why well, not? <laughs> you know what, like I, I just, I don't have anything against Trump. I think he's, so far, like he, he's done what he did. It's really, it's good for what he's doing right now. Mm -hmm. But um, I just, I just want just more support area in like the poverty area, the people who do need help, money right now, the economy's not doing so well. So we, we just do need more assistance in this area over here in America. But why is Trump is not doing that? Trump, Trump is doing that. It's just, um, I just noticed there's a sort of, riots going on like you know so many so many things with like up upheaval um racist comments wait wait because he's that's what i was trying to say because if he is doing it then why is he making the racist comments and the tension that's going on i'm just curious because joe biden i'm not saying i'm you know yeah. joe biden is all uh, sunshine and light yeah but but why but why why if that's if he is doing that then why would he make it uh, a statement about taking racial uh, connotations and different hostile uh, takes about unhoused people and people, poor people in general. Yeah, so I, I see what I just is more focusing on um, having a president that does what he does, but I do want a, a president that has a leadership that we can model off of to have, you know, there's just things where I, I do want that things to be done in the economy and things to be helpful. Uh, and give, provide assistance in areas that need, do need assistance, and each and any president can, can do that and can offer that. Uh, but then the, the image of the president, I believe, you know, should come off more uh, like more, right now we need peace. We don't need more more uh, fuel to the fire. We don't need more people to get angry. We just need the peace to be going on right now. We need balance. So he's uh, so Trump obviously is not about balance and peace, yeah, right. and that's what I'm getting the vibe you're getting from you. Yeah. So uh, that's why you're going to uh, do going for Trump. Yeah. So what made you get out of this, what makes this election so different than the other elections? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, you know, before, I remember when Obama was president, I, I didn't vote. Mm. Yeah, and also uh, when Trump was- Why not? I, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't that involved. I was more of a, just in my, kind of like what, what's going on with Generation Z right now. You know, they're, they're just kind of having fun. Mm -hmm. uh, having fun and just living their life. Uh, but I, I just wanted to make a statement that like when I was around around you know that sort of stage in my life uh, I just didn't want to get involved and uh, because of that like it, you know things can happen when when you don't get involved and then um, things can get out of hand because you're not a part you're not participating in it. and if you want things to go the way you want please get involved and so I, I, I didn't do that that's a very good question because I look I'm unhoused and I deal with the unhoused community and the difficulty for the unhoused to get involved is particularly because of the difficulties that the society, like the city, yeah. makes for us. Let right. me give you an example. Uh, Mike Fuhrer, who makes over $200,000, and he's in a city that lives in a house, has tried to create an amended 4118. Do you know what 4118 is? Right now, I do not know. 4118 is an ordinance. It's a legal ordinance to criminalize unhoused people. This is why. If they have a shelter for like 45 people, and right now, the last count is like, it's over 60,000 unhoused people. 
they're trying to live their lives just like house people that are working class and trying to survive a very difficult system. What he wants to do, just like what he would do with the house community or working class people like in Chinatown and things, he would make it criminalize them and make it against the law for them to survive, sit, sleep, sleep and stay near in a sidewalk because there are no shelters and no housing for them. And one of the things that really is from, uh, makes it difficult for unhoused people is that we are not able to get places like the libraries to close because of the pandemic. We can't charge our phones. We don't have these, uh, these systems to, in place enough to really support us. And right now, the 24th of November, they're trying to revoke this. So do you think this is correct? Do you think this is right for them to do that? I don't believe this is right. This is not right for to have people on the streets right now. People on the streets do need help. And um, it's very interesting you, you brought that up because uh, I, I did go to Skid Row yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a while back, uh, just probably like two weeks ago. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I just have people who are on the streets that really want to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was, there was one guy in particular, uh, John Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, we are, he just very, he, he's been telling us that we want, he wants to get out of the streets. He wants to be helped for uh, his drug addiction mm -hmm. and he, he was pushing for it. And you know what he did? He went to rehab and yeah, it, it was such an amazing reason to But let me point out something too. He, you know, he goes and goes to rehab, but there's no housing. So now he's sober and he's still living on the street. So that's one of the things that people say when you just get off of drugs, that's just one component of it. If you don't have any housing for him or support, that's just only one piece of it. Let me ask you something too. I don't know if you notice here, there's a lot of working class families. They're like first generation people that came here for a better life. Yeah. They came and they work hard in the restaurants. A lot of them are my friends over in Chinatown. Um, in like Zinmei uh, Bistro, this mother, she works, she owns a restaurant and she's helping employ her husband because he couldn't find a job. The rent, uh, uh, the pandemic, pandemic, uh, pandemic COVID-19 has prevented them from paying their rent. Mm. So this is an issue, it's a larger issue. When the rent forgiveness or whenever the landlord demands their rent and they can't pay the rent, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to evict them. And when they evict them, they don't have any place for them to be because they are working class people. So where are they going to go? Right. On the streets. Right. When they get on the streets, now that we got this amended 4118 that Nuri Martinez is pushing, what do you think they're going to do? Where are they going to go? If they say that unhoused people can't be near a shelter that only holds 20 or 50 people, and there's over set now it's almost 70 80 thousand unhoused people out here where are they going to go they are they're going to go in the street they have nowhere else to go Listen. we do need to help them right now with the housing and that is needed and provided i know that there are people who do have money right now they're getting a lot of assistance from unemployment benefits uh getting lots of money from like you know from the yeah, yeah, right. but the pandemic uh if they're getting assistance for that why can't we be helping people on the streets for absolutely it? absolutely that's my point yeah. and not only that too what my heart goes out to is like the ones that their unemployment benefits are dying off or or they have medical issues. There's a lot of disabled people out here. That's just that's not one slice of unhoused people. They're mentally ill. And now we have a higher rate of elderly unhoused people. We can't just a tell high, them to get Yeah, right. But we can't tell them to get a job. We can't tell them to, you know, get off drugs. They're not on drugs. Yeah. They're elderly, as you know, it's like, you know, think of it, my grandmother's age, have health issues or have dementia, things like that. We can't tell them to get a job. Yeah. We've got to find ways to get them housing. And the city is deplorable at trying to solve the problem. They always want to do criminalization, police, and law and order. That's what the, uh, Mike Freer, who makes $200,000, that sits in his house and has no thought about any kind of suffering and wouldn't know what the first thing to do about it if life hits him hard. So if you have any other uh, ideas and thoughts on this? 
I, I just want uh, more more attention being focused uh, for, for housing for people who are living on the streets right now. We do need attention for people in the working class uh, because those are the areas that are not being um, shown on TV. Yes. And, uh, even in news right now, news right now is just filled with politics of Trump and uh, debatings and all that stuff. But we need the actual real truth of what's going on right now with the housing and sheltering. Yeah. Thank you very much. This is Theo Henderson for Whittier and House, and I thank you for stopping and talking with me. Uh, there's more to follow, and I hope we again meet in the light of understanding. about voting rights of the unhoused. We're going through all over LA and different spots to talk to different people to figure out um, how they feel about the election, what's their thoughts on it, and basically go and investigate some of the polling spots as well. So in the studios is Mr. Harvey. Uh, Mr. Harvey has been a, a guest a few times and I wanted to introduce him and talk to him about his experiences with what's happened today and uh, how and ask him some questions about what do you think how we can galvanize the unhoused voting power? So without further ado, thank you for joining us, Harvey. Thank you for having me. So tell us what happened today. You was just mentioning it a little bit. Yeah, we didn't expect for sanitation to show up today. Um, I was hoping for them to come yesterday, but they never showed up yesterday to pick up the trash like they normally do. And I was going to ask them yesterday if we still had to move today because of you know it being a voting day today and apparently they never showed up yesterday so they did show up today and we did have to move off the sidewalk this morning are you guys worried because uh, i'm noticing around in particularly the gentrified areas or the places that criminalize unhoused people they're bordering up their buildings and with the business improvement district nearby or police nearby are you worried that if let's say for example the trump voters or uh, vigilante voters will try to target you guys. Hell, even the police would uh, come and tassel you during this time? Yeah, um, there was an incident that happened not too long ago. I think it was like about three or four weeks ago where some protesters were right here in front of this courthouse where Jackie Lacey is at and they kind of got rowdy. And they were like marching all night. Uh, and then they got to this corner over here on Aliso and the cops blocked it. So they blocked them from coming further this way towards us. 
but there was a couple times where the highway patrol will, will be covering these entrances and exits of the freeway back here uh, and told us that if you do not want to get arrested get inside your tent and stay there until we finish wow so I, yeah really? that was like it was like a courtesy in a way by telling us that because they knew that we're here uh, and they did say it to me they said it to a lot of these people so let me get this straight the protesting is a first amendment right so they're telling you if you don't want to get arrested to stay in your tents right so that they don't mistake us for being protesters but they have the right to protest that's exactly right but what they're trying to do is they're trying to avoid these people from going into the freeway and like they did the last time they stopped the freeway they were actually inside this freeway right here which is the 101 freeway the hollywood freeway and they were on the freeway and that's what they were trying to do but because they were getting really nasty the cops they gave us at least that much to say you know if you don't want to be arrested that's inside. martial that's martial law <laughs> yeah yeah in a way yeah it is but look yeah. at it like because this is we're american citizens this is not a third world country right. they're telling you that you can't come out of your tent if you come out let's say you got to go to the bathroom they see you so that means you're going to arrest you that's a good question you know i mean so those are the issues that's one of the reasons why uh this election is so pivotal as well as on this house people getting a voting lock or voting rights idea so uh what's your thoughts on uh do you think we're going to have a re a peaceful election or it's going to be a bit uh sticky i wish i knew what what, what the numbers are right now just to answer that one because if biden's winning then no mm -hmm. but if he's losing yeah because <laughs> earlier today also too mm -hmm. this morning when i got up like around it was like maybe about 6 30 this morning about 20 uh, motorcycle LAPD officers went through here and they went that way towards City Hall so I'm assuming they might have stationed themselves over there uh, I don't know I haven't gone over there so but there was 20 of them that went through this block early this morning you know there's a voting center in Union Station uh, do you guys worry as being unhoused do you worry about going to vote or have you guys uh, have you guys voted already or have you guys what's your thoughts on if this is really going to be contentious, what would you guys' plan would be? Um, well, I don't know how many people out here that, that, that vote, um, but I'm one. Mm -hmm. uh, and I already did it like about three weeks ago. In fact, it was late because uh, of the mail not giving it to me on time. Right. Um, and I deposited over in Almani. They had those uh, metal boxes that yeah, they have for yeah. the... They had one near in Hollywood too. But oh, okay. I, yeah, they, yeah. They they put those out, and I asked the girl. She was standing next to it. I said it's late, and she goes, "So what's going to happen?" She goes, oh, "Don't worry about it." She goes, "We knew that this was going to happen, so it will be counted." Oh, she okay. said, "It okay. will be counted, even though you passed the deadline, which was I think the 19th." Okay. Uh, she said, "It will be counted. You can deposit it in here, and it, you don't have to worry about it." But President Trump is saying that there is some uh, some tomfoolery and trickery going on; that they're going to be discounted. Do you, you know? So that's a little interesting. Um, so, what do you think? How uh, the president? Let's say, for example, that the president lose. Do you think he is going to be have to be escorted out of the presidency because he's telling his friends or the to stand by and stand back and stand by um you know there's the, the election is rigged and all of that kind of thing what is your thoughts on this i hope he's kicking and screaming <laughs> there you go i hope he's kicking and screaming because i would love to see that mm -hmm. and him try to say you know that this was all rigged and uh yeah that 
you know I, I'm staying and I, I mean I would love to see a cop go up to him and put handcuffs on him and say you're being removed <laughs> you're no longer in office so he's gonna be this place and like the unhoused community yeah uh, which brings an interestingly a uh, point uh, about the election here in the locale in our locale in Los Angeles California there are certain punitive measures against the unhoused community one of them is 6444 5611 4118 to name a few and these were born out of uh, punitive measures from basically the rich the greedy and people that have uh, very hostile and very hateful ideas about our house people. They usually use, they use gaslighting techniques to say that we have to have balance in law and order. And with their idea of uh, law and order is criminality of the unhoused. So, with that said, the city attorney, Mike Fuhrer, who makes over $200,000 a year, that lives in a house, that sleeps and goes to sleep without any thought about unhoused people having to deal with the challenges of the winds and rains of heaven. The unhoused families like Nuri Martinez who always claims about her little precious children where their unhoused families have to worry about the winds and rains of heaven, where they're going to sleep at night and worry about her and her, her offspring and her, her friends who vilify the unhoused and say they're all criminals or drug addicted. They are putting forth an amended 4118 to amend and to criminalize the unhoused that are near a bridge shelter. And what a bridge shelter is, is that the bridge shelter maybe holds at most 100 unhoused people. So if you got a shelter in your community, that will give them carte blanche to go and take the rest of the, uh, maybe over 59,000 unhoused people and arrest them and displace them. Because there are no shelters here, there are no housing, and, it's, and anytime we talk about entertaining encampment to housing instead of encampment to shelter, that conversation dies down. So, with that said, what is your perspective? If they've passed this thing on November 24th, what is your plan? How are you guys going to survive out here? Okay, they said that we have to be, what, 500 feet away from a shelter? Yeah, the bridge shelter. Okay, which we got two of them. Yes. Oh, that's two of them. Yeah, we got two of them. Right. One is down over here, and the other one is that the original one, the first one right, being right, built, exactly. which is down the street from here, three blocks. Right. Um, well... I'm gonna say this, Chinatown, you got new residents. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, we no, also- No, 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 wait a minute, okay, I haven't okay, finished. Okay, okay. I haven't finished. Please. Whatever <laughs> those bastards over here in the red shirts, which uh, is their security, is whatever they say is not gonna work mm -hmm. because they're gonna be calling the cops daily. Every damn hour, every damn minute, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Uh -huh. They're gonna be doing that because we're gonna move over there, mm -hmm. whether they like it or not. It's still public domain. It's not owned by the Chinese. It's not owned by anybody other than the taxpayers who are paying for these sidewalks to be kept the way they're supposed to be. But what about, you got George Yu, who's the president of the Business and District Improvement. He goes around and terrorizing unhoused people. He's known to take lead pipes and, uh, and stick his dog on unhoused people. How are you guys gonna handle that? Oh, you got to remember, I live amongst homies. <laughs> I got a lot of homeboys. Yeah. And they don't really use sticks and stuff like that. They use more like knives and guns and stuff. Like that. He wants to fight. Fine, we'll fight him. Okay. I mean, it's not going to be hard for us to find where he lives and, and tear up that house. I mean, if that's what he wants to do, fine. I'm game. Surprisingly, he doesn't live in Chinatown. I think he lives in... I mean, I won't tell you where he lives. Yeah. But... 
Also, here's other bad news is that uh, they're using the excuse of George uh, Carter's ruling of trying to get prior towards the unhoused that are near bridges and uh, overpasses and to give them first, uh, first come, first serve of shelters. And while that is going on, Mitchell Farrell met with the NIMBYs and the people that detest the unhoused and said that he's trying to create a shelter to force the unhoused at Echo Park Lake to either go to shelter or go to jail. And then they're going to make steps, probably illegally, to, uh, to force and make sure that unhoused people don't return. So this is the reality that the city has uh, passed, are, are passing and doing it behind the, the scenes. So what is your perspective on that? Okay, first of all, the, you know, the, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. Um, the judge also said that either house them in a shelter or get them housing. Mm -hmm. Okay. But their thing is shelter. They don't yeah. give a shit about housing. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> they right. No, no, they, they're, they're leaving the housing part out because exactly. there's none. Exactly. The shelters, what is the law saying now about sheltering people with the disease being out? Mm -hmm. Isn't it supposed to be six feet apart? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So how are you going to fit that capacity of a bunch of homeless people in these stupid shelters when you're supposed to be six feet apart. And the FYI, uh, Union Rescue Mission had over 100 people infected with the COVID-19 in the earliest stages. So that's also not a feasibility, feasible plan. But apparently, according to Mike Fuhrer on KPCC, it's like anytime we talk about criminalizing unhoused people that we're not compassionate. We can compassionately put you in jail and lock you up and give you a record. But that's compassion according to Mike Fuhrer who makes over $200,000 a year and he can sit at home and compassionately put you in jail to criminalize you to get you out of the sight of the gentrifiers in this community. Right, okay, now, I don't know about it being a criminal offense. I mean, because being homeless is not a crime. One. Exactly. Uh, and two, there isn't a law in our law books in the state of California or anywhere that says that that is a, crim a crime for a homeless person to go through. But Mike Fuhrer is in constant talks with the council members who see this vision. Like for example, Joe Pascano, he believes in sweeping unhoused people and he's checking it back to reopening the CARE Act, as you know, with the CARE sweeps and how vicious they were. So it, it, even though it may not be on the books, but they in practice are getting away with it because they know the unhoused are not galvanized yet, but we're galvanizing to be able to push back against this. Okay. Um, Okay, then here's this. No matter what they did, okay, in the past, they did try to take it to a judge mm -hmm. to make it into a crime. They even went as high as the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. They said no, that it's still unconstitutional for them to make homelessness into a crime because it really isn't a crime. It's something that happens to people, you know? <laughs> whether, whether, whatever it, it, it's, you know. You're preaching to the choir and I agree. However, they, the city has been sued mil multiple times. That's the other part. And they still don't seem to get it. And like you said in the beginning, they just don't get it. It's like, so if we keep, if they continue to keep doing that, what is to stop us from starting being able to criminalize, a whole thing accountable and put maybe in hell, even put them in jail for wasting taxpayer money, or this is a corruption. These are ideas that we the unhoused, as well as unhoused uh, voters need to really start to think about. You know, anytime we hear a uh, conversation like in Venice, talk about transients, hobos, feces, those uh, dog words, we should be able to have our own district attorney start putting out 
criminal acts or crim uh, criminalizing them in order for us to get some help because this is getting ridiculous. How many times are you just gonna take for the city to realize that being poor is not a crime right. and you know, continually har har harassing, displacing people is not solving the problem. No matter how uh, the, the Olympics uh, 2020 is coming, this is 20 or 28, I should say, it's still going to be an issue. Uh, it's always gonna be an issue, no matter what. Because that was, a, that was also Garcetti's stupidness right there, where he was gonna try to figure out how uh, he was gonna house everybody. But, but then again, I don't know, see, the, the, the Olympics committee, they do have the rules that they're not supposed to harass any mm -hmm. of, of the homeless people or anything like that. But apparently, that's happening. And I don't understand how the Olympics committee does not see that. I don't know why they're not acknowledging that the city is actually doing that. Part of the reason that is, is because these same people that make $200,000 a year are sitting on those communities and creating the belief system that unhoused people don't want to help. They're resistant, they're criminals, they're drug addicts, they have, they're going to the bathroom on the streets. It's very easy to pass this narrative. And then when you get some of the working class to have intersections with uh, poverty themselves and you pit them against uh, more pe poorer people, then that's what you have. Henderson from Underhouse News. Our top story is Portland, Oregon, protesters barricade to protect a mixed race black family from being overrun by the police and ejected, evicted during COVID-19. The police have had history of in Portland, Oregon of segregation, redlining and sundown town policies enacted. The mayor, Tom Wheeler, gives authorization for the police to continue this policy during it during COVID-19 stating that they have a reason uh, that they were legally ejected from the homes in the gentrification uh, move in that area. In Los Angeles, California, 
Unhoused residents were ejected from a hotel once the, the paper ink dried for a business owner to make more money off of the suffering of unhoused people. Newer unhoused people entered there and the other former residents stated that they were not given notice or any kind of consideration for their situation. The owner stated, uh, Patel states that they had no legal basis of staying there and they were giving the appropriate notices. Also in Los Angeles, Los Angeles is weighing up using the Staples Center Convention Center as a place to house unhoused people. Current prices for this idea stating that um, people are ducking, fighting traffic, and they sh the unhoused people should be removed and put into a convention center. Neglecting that 55 people have caught COVID-19 unhoused residents and staff in San Diego's convention center. In Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti uh, uh, dispatched the Los Angeles Police Department to attack the protested Black Lives Matter protesters. The Los Angeles police statements claim that they were uh, picked on and attacked by the protesters who have been peacefully protesting several days uh, prior to the event. Activist uh, Jamie Penn claims she was uh, protecting an elderly person from being trampled on when the police, the police department set loose and started attacking them with batons. Women, children, and elderly uh, weren't among the victims of it. As a result of that, uh, Mayor Garcetti has given a very tepid response to it. It is not against the law for protesters to protest against the injustices. Unfortunately, the Los Angeles Police Department doesn't get that memo. And finally, Unhoused News has an exclusive of what uh, is going on across Los Angeles. In fact, it's going across all over the country. One of the uh, gentlemen that I interviewed for this exclusive, it tells us about in Chatsworth that they have been being swept around during the holidays. COVID-19 is not an issue for the police departments or sheriff's departments or any law enforcement uh, officials. Uh, they are usually the vectors of diseases for it, but they have concerns among the unhoused community that they may be affected by these people. Here is his story. Hey, Gene, there you are. Uh, if you have a minute, uh, we was looking for you if you get a chance to chat. Yes, thank you. Uh, let's, uh, let's hit back to your side. I don't want to disturb them. <laughs> thank you for uh, uh, doing this because it's so important and uh, to get your perspective as well as give me some exercise. <laughs> oh, that's a powerful generator. Oh, really? Wow. You guys can connect some lights and have your own electricity. You guys can track your, uh, connect some lights and have your own electricity. Yeah. Oh, perfect. This is this shows your best your best self. I, I feel honored to be in your in your, your spot. Uh, like I say, this is Theo Henderson from Weedy and House. We are here in Chatsworth uh, interviewing one of the residents here and who's making the best of a situation that's pretty tough. Without further ado, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Theo. What's your name, sir? My name is Gary. They call me Gene. And, uh, G. One of the few people who live out here on the block here. How long have you been out here on the block? And how long did it, that's the first question. A couple of years. Oh, wow. How did you, how did you come to be living out here like this? Well, I went home one night and my door was locked. Uh, my wife locked me out and uh, I never had a chance to return home. I'd never been homeless before. And um, to be honest with you, um, I was so depressed. I didn't care one way or the other. Mm -hmm. 
So for the first seven days, I sat on a bus stop and moped and pouted and was depressed and realized that that was where I was going to be unless I did something to change my situation. Um, I mean, I come from, how can I put it, a pretty well-to-do background. Mm -hmm. I've had everything in life that any man could possibly want. So I guess I decided I wanted to see how the other side lived. What did you do for a living if you, you, you were pretty much reasonably financially secure? My wife was a uh, works in middle management at AT&T. She makes about 147,000 a year. And prior to that, I was a bank robber. You was a bank robber. Oh <laughs> uh, wow! This sounds like something out of the movies. Uh, uh, how did you get into that, if you don't mind me asking? Well, it was years ago, and uh, basically, it was I did it on a dare. Uh, my cousin dared me to do it. I did it. Found that I liked it finished college, and instead of going into the field that I went to school for, I decided to do that for a few years. So for three years, I robbed banks. And um, I, and you didn't get caught? I didn't get caught, but in the end, I did go to prison for it. I, um, wow. Someone told on me, and I did 15 years in federal prison for that. Came home, and I've been home for almost 15 years, and I haven't been back to prison since. But um, I made a lot of money, and um, when that money ran out, I was basically, you know, depending on my wife to support me. And uh, she was able to do so because of her paycheck. It was no problem. But then we broke up. So, Did you have any children? I have a daughter who lives in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, I haven't seen her in about five years. It uh, was that around the time you became unhoused, or you just uh, was that before? Was, well, prior to me becoming unhoused, I, um, my daughter and I had words. They weren't that volatile but they were words in, in any case she was resentful of me because um, I was gone I was in prison and she basically didn't see me as her father I mean as, a, as her daddy as she quoted mm -hmm. um, I was just a sperm donor so mm -hmm. I pretty much told her well if that's the case you know I don't need to be in your life and I haven't been so what well, um, you know I live day by day out here you know so what was the hardest thing to do to live out here what was your first night like the first night I was out here, I just sat up all night, staring up and down the streets. Um, at that time, most of the homeless people that are out here, and it's really, it's hard to explain without putting it in perspective. I mean, for myself, I saw them all as being in, in a whole nother subculture, um, slightly below the norm. Mm -hmm. If you look at everything out here, it's almost like a reversal of what's what you see every day. Right. Our days usually consist of being up all night and our nights are being asleep during the day. Mm. During the day when we're out and about, people shun us, people treat us bad, and um, it's hard dealing with the general public. Yeah. Very hard. So yeah. what we do is we do everything we have to do at night. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard. I mean, it's like everything's closed at night. So mm -hmm. you, you need to take a shower, use the restroom, or if you want to eat. Most places you eat at are closed, mm -hmm. so we eat a lot of fast food for that matter. Right. You know, and um, basically it's a lonely life. Um, if you have friends out here and friendships are really hard to come by out mm -hmm. here, yeah. true friendships, right, right. then really you spend most of your time hoping not to be victimized. And unfortunately, we get victimized by the general public more than we do by each other. Mm -hmm. Very true. Uh, speaking of being victimized, it's like uh, today what caught my attention is someone that's unhoused out here told me that the police were out here hassling the unhoused. Is that a common occurrence? What's, what, what, what happened today? Well, generally, 
the police ride through and they observe what's going on around them. Um, I'm turning across the street, Dan, as you can see, he has a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's another thing, to being homeless, you, you it's hard not to accumulate things. Right. People give you stuff, you pick up stuff along the way. Right. And um, you end up with a lot of stuff that you have nowhere to put it. So right. it just sits out in the open. The police drive by, they see that stuff. They pull up on you. If it's on a trailer, they want to know if the trailer's legal, mm -hmm. meaning if the registration's up to date. They go, they nitpick at anything that's within the law. They straddle the line. Mm -hmm. You know, they straddle the fence on that. So, mm -hmm. for example, I have my tent in the middle of the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. The law states that I can keep my tent up, mm -hmm. but has to have three feet of space on one side of it to allow but, a wheelchair to go by. Exactly. If I don't have that three feet of space, they can come in and make me move the tent. Mm -hmm. And they will stand there until I move the tent. Mm -hmm. Despite it being set up like it is, it takes a long time to move it. Right. Everything over here would have to be moved to this side, and then mm -hmm. it has to be pushed over, mm -hmm. tied off so that it doesn't go back over there, right. and then they'll leave. Mm -hmm. And then they'll wait a couple of weeks and they'll come back and do it again. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I can understand them having that law, I suppose, but as long as I've been here, I've never once seen a wheelchair come through here. Um, but that doesn't mean anything to them. Also, they changed the street signs on the street out here for, for parking mm -hmm. they change the signs on a regular basis right. originally it was a green zone which allows rvs to park here mm -hmm. you know for an unlimited time uh, period of time but the businesses get upset about them being here because of the generators and all the refuse and all the you know property stacked up outside mm -hmm. kind of makes people shy away from the businesses in which case they get upset mm -hmm. they notify police department, the police department come in and they harass us about it. Mm -hmm. And then they change the street signs that make us have to make these guys up to move. Mm -hmm. One question is too, is like, they don't take regularly take your trash. So what are you supposed to be doing with the trash? Because I hear and they lock them. They come, sanitation comes every week or so. Mm -hmm. And they'll ask us if we have any refuse to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And they'll take anything we put out there. It doesn't matter what it is, how bulky it is, mm -hmm. they'll take it. Yeah. So a lot of the times people pile trash in one area right. and they'll come through and pick the trash up. Mm. Meanwhile, um, we have to wait for them to do that. People try to be as neat as they possibly can. Right, right. If you, if you walk along, you'll see trash bags with trash in it. Trash is not just thrown haphazardly on the ground. Right. We tie the bags off and we put them in a place that's neutral so that, so that they can come and pick it up. It's the best thing we can do. But as far as the police goes, they know that we're out here. Mm -hmm. They know that we don't have, a lot of us don't have identification. Right. A lot of us don't have, um, those normal things that see you through regular life, we mm -hmm. don't have that stuff. So when they come and ask for it, right. they don't have it, it gives them probable cause mm -hmm. to search us, to harass us, and they do it. I mean, it's like, for example, if I had a vehicle and one of the taillights was out, the taillight could just blow, could have just blown right then. Mm -hmm. And I, I can tell them, you know, it just blew out just now. Exactly. But it's still probable cause for them to search the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Now, some people have illegal things in their vehicle, some people don't, but harassment is harassment. Mm -hmm. I mean. In real life, as we like to say out here, mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't have even pulled us over. Right. But because we're homeless, they do. Most homeless people who have vehicles, you'll notice, are filled with stuff to overflowing. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to identify them just by that alone. Mm -hmm. Now, I live in a tent because I chose to live in a tent. Mm -hmm. I could have bought an RV, but I see the trouble that these people go through having RVs. Right. And it's just easy for me to pack up stuff. I mean, it's like a lot of this stuff I picked up along the way. This is unique perspective because I thought because I, I had um, I didn't have a tent because someone tried to set me on fire on it in a tent. Um, I had I slept in a sleeping bag because I felt it was a little bit scarier, particularly where like it depends on the neighborhood. Like when I live down in down downtown L.A., it's a lot much more uh, dangerous because a lot of people don't like to see unhoused people with tents. Right. 
so they'll go and try to set them on fire and yeah oh yeah yeah it was it was a big thing so i felt that was the easiest best way for me is to have a sleeping bag you know if i wish yeah i can sleep out no i can see and i can get up in time uh uh, because you know because they don't like unhoused people there Uh, also they have like things like business improvement district that are uh, buddy buddy with the police so they'll allow them to do uh, illegal things and then when the police come they claim pretend like they don't know what's going on or they would just n- nudge and wink at the uh, bits uh, and then just go on and allow them to continue the illegality. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is one of the cases and points here. What I also thought is like that they would, people would be a little more safer having an RV, but you're telling me that's not the case here. No, well, when you have an RV, I mean, it costs money to register those things. Mm-hmm. It costs money to run them. I mean, you have to put gas in them. Um, you have to find some place to dump your, your, your waste, your, um, your liquid waste as well as your regular refuse, you, have exactly. to have, you know, and that has to be done on a regular basis, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about weekly, daily, mm-hmm. you have to have somewhere to dump that stuff, Right. Um, they have what they call black water and they have gray water, gray mm-hmm. water is water with just piss in it, mm-hmm. basically, and then you have black water that has, you know, whatever, you know, um, the other, they live, yeah. yeah, so they have to have some place to dump that stuff, and um, not only that, like I said, people accumulate things, man. Mm-hmm. Um, an RV is almost like having a house on wheels. And you can only put so much into one. But because we live out here and everything that we get, mm-hmm. is, is there's a possibility of selling it or making a little bit of money on it because we don't have a job. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to live. Like bikes, people think that people are stealing the bikes. What, can you tell us a little bit about why you see people with a lot of bikes? Well, most homeless people can't afford cars. Mm-hmm. And a bike is cheaper to, to own than a car. And you know, to be honest with you, a lot of the bikes that these guys have are stolen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine that if the opportunity presents itself, they'll, they'll, I don't like ride bikes myself, but mm-hmm. if the opportunity presents itself, they'll come up on a bike. You know, But they do it because they need a way to get around. Mm-hmm. Then you have guys who take them because they want to sell them and make money on them. Or the ones that I've noticed, because uh, um, the ones that I see people collect the parts because the bike wears out, or they have a side hustle that sells to be able to fix other people's bikes. That's yeah. the thing too. They do that too. You have guys out there that, re- that repair bikes. Yeah. And they'll have 40 bikes outside their spot. <laughs> and exactly. it looks like they stole the bikes. But yeah. that's not the case at all. Exactly. You're that's right. Yeah. A lot of the times it's other homeless people mm-hmm. who have asked them to repair a bike mm-hmm. and they bring them over there to repair it. Yeah. And, and that's usually the, the case. Park. Most bikes that they, when they pull these guys over on these bikes, 95% of the time the bikes belong to these guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll actually go out and buy a bicycle. Yeah. You know, or they'll buy one from some, uh, a lot of the bike shops sell bikes cheap. Yeah. You know, ones that have yeah. been repaired and the person didn't pick it up. Yeah. They sell them for 40, 50 bucks. The yeah. guys will buy them. Okay. Yeah. Incidentally, most of the bikes that are stolen are not stolen from the general public. They're mm-hmm. stolen from these guys. Exactly. each other. And that, that's, that's a very good point because, like, I, I noticed that um, when, if, particularly if people have been released from the prison and things like that. Oh, no, please, absolutely. Go. You're in your home. We're guests. <laughs> and I wanted to tell you, I wanted to admit, uh, if you look here, your house has it has a sense of a feeling of welcoming. It's not, you know, it's not Spartan. It's not like, like for example, the Christmas lights and stuff. It's like you, 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 uh, despite the situation, what, what, why, why have it decorated like this? What was your insight on this? Well, the lights that you see that you can see plainly right now are mm-hmm. run by electricity, but then I also have lights in here that are uh, run by batteries. Mm-hmm. And they they have a calming effect. Mm-hmm. Um, the females that I know out here, a couple of them are my good friends. They come by 
and they have a light set, sort of an ambiance that right, right. allows them to relax and kick back, you know. And uh, also, it's not bright enough to become a bother or an annoyance to people. Mm -hmm. And people look over and see it, and mm -hmm. they don't see a harsh glare or you know, or, or an antiseptic type atmosphere. They mm -hmm. see something that's kind of cool, kind of relaxed, you mm -hmm. know. Then I play my music, which. I heard you. I heard what we passed by. <laughs> I heard it. I play my music and I play nice music. Uh, I yeah, like yeah. hip hop and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know, it's cool, man. It's relaxing, you know. I was gonna say, um, because I am a foodie, I see you have a set a uh, culinary set. Are you do you cook or anything? Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. A lot. Oh, okay. So, you know, might, that might be your second hustle, huh? Yeah, I cook for the people out here. Oh, I mean, um, that's cool. I go out I go shopping, buy three, four hundred dollars worth of food mm -hmm. and I'll feed everybody and they eat it, yeah. you know, and um, it makes me feel good. Yeah, cool. And my money goes for something other than the wrong thing. Right, right. You know, um, I will admit that in the past, I mean, when I left home, man, I was just, I was. He was, was in a bad space. I was in a real bad place psychologically, and, you know, I was doing drugs and having my fun doing that, but then at some point, doing drugs is no longer fun. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a lot of really bad injuries that, um, you can call it, I was on, I got hooked on pain pills. Mm -hmm. And of course, they don't, they're not always going to be readily available. Right. So I went to the other alternative, which was heroin. Mm -hmm. Something I never thought I would be doing in my entire life. And I almost cannot exist without it now. I mean, I can barely get out of bed without it now. Mm -hmm. But I don't use heroin to get high. I use heroin to, to cope with the, me, me, uh, the pains of your health I mean, issues. I mean, it's like I've had... You, you were telling me about the, the, the third degree birds and stuff. Can you talk yeah, about it? So tell me what happened. You was telling, tell, tell us. Somebody's RV, a trailer. And, and uh, that's another thing too, it's like so many unsafe situations develop out here. He lit the stove and he didn't know anything about it. And um, the stove that he lit required that he light a pilot mm -hmm. and he didn't. And he had two propane tanks going and then it, it, it rapidly filled up with propane. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there talking to him and I decided to light a cigarette and I lit the torch. Mm -hmm. And the flame on the torch was acting funny. Mm -hmm. And when I realized why it was acting funny, it was too late. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. And the whole entire thing just sort of with fire. Yeah. In a flash, it was just, I was surrounded by fire. Oh my God. He ran out, his arms got burned really bad. My face, my head, my hands, parts of my arm. Mm -hmm. I have blisters everywhere. I was in the burn center at um, West Hills for 11 days, mm -hmm. two surgeries. And um, it just showed me just how life out here is so fragile. Mm -hmm. Anything can happen at any minute. Yeah. And your life can be over. Yeah, I got stabbed four years ago, so I know. <laughs> I was in ICU for like several months and I had to learn how to walk again. Yeah, I was out in uh, the park. I uh, got stabbed and I got stabbed in eight places. I had my uh, colon, uh, part of my colon removed, part of my stomach removed and uh, other places like my, now my, uh, one of my intestines is attached to my, uh, and one of the walls of it wow. because, yeah, so. Where were, you, where were you homeless at? I was down in Chinatown in Los Angeles. Like I told you, it was very tough. It's very, very, Downtown. very violent. Really different than out here. Yes. Yes. Way different. I don't even go down there. Yeah. I, had a, I had a friend down there, a girl named April, mm -hmm. and she um, she had some really serious medical, I mean, psychological mm -hmm. problems. When she took her medication, she was cool. When she didn't, it was just, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And I was on one of those streets down there one day, yeah. sitting in one of those tents. Yeah. And, um, she just wanted to do something like simple, like charge her phone in my car, and mm -hmm. I told her not now, I had to go. Mm -hmm. And she started screaming, you won't let me charge, you won't let me charge my phone in your fucking car, mm -hmm. and blah, 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 blah. All these dudes come out of these tents, mm -hmm. and I was alone. Yep. And I thought, if I don't get away from here, something bad's about to happen to me. Yep. And I had to get away from there. I've never been back down there since mm -hmm. because they showed me just by her actions 
how things can change in an instant. In an instant. <laughs> yeah. And your life could be in danger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Very so, true. And then coming out here, I mean, we were in a situation prior to this. Mm-hmm. We were on Sepulveda and um, in Sherman Way. Right. With this big lot. The homeless moved into it and it was like a little village. Mm-hmm. And this one guy moved in there and decided that he was going to take over the lot. Yeah, and yeah. he began to. It was horrible, mm. to say the least. It was horrible. He began to abuse people, mm-hmm. abuse the females, threaten to kill people, mm-hmm. shooting guns, the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. until he ran everybody up on that lot. Oh. And um, he individually himself ended up being shot. All this happened in the last 45 days. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so I had to come. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. I had to get away from it. Um, being homeless, man, for a lot of us out here, it's not a choice. Exactly. Well, we just have no choice. Exactly. Thank you for saying that because people think it's like you're living out like in McMansions or you're living a luxurious life, but this is a very difficult life. You listen to me. You go to sleep every night. You're, you're, you're scared. You wake up scared. Halfway through the day, you're scared. You're always afraid something bad's going to happen because something bad is always happening. It doesn't matter. It's you or a person across the street. It's somebody that you can get to know real well and become friends with. Mm-hmm. And two days later, somebody kill them. Yeah. It's just how, how life is for us out here. It's a constant threat mm-hmm. of hoping that you'll wake up the next day. All I think about now is death. Mm. And it's a horrible feeling to think about dying. And whether you'll be here next week, will your family know about it? Will anybody miss you? Will anybody come to your funeral? Will there be a funeral? You know, the whole nine yards. You know, engineers, the police. Recently, they started housing the homeless in these hotels. Mm-hmm. Project Room Key, right? Yeah, Project Room Key. That right there has a lot of people worried also mm-hmm. because they're wondering why all of a sudden the city can afford to put people in these nice luxury hotels, putting them up on a daily basis, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, at the Eritrea Hotel by the airport, mm-hmm. the rooms there start at $200 a day. Right. But how, why? Why are we being housed like that? Um, the Sportsman's Lodge, the room starts there at $400 a day. Mm-hmm. How is it that they were able to take over the Sportsman's Lodge and put every single, put a homeless person in every single room mm-hmm. and afford that? What's the purpose behind that? People think there's a conspiracy going on. Well, the reason they are doing that is because pr- public pressure has, because COVID-19, as you uh, probably know now, mm-hmm. but COVID-19 has been killing off a lot of people. And as fact, in Los Angeles, it's spiked. And they were worried uh, that people that living on the street would yeah, take those, yeah, well, not, yeah, a veteran, but also would be taking up hospital beds for housed people. So that was the reason it wasn't because of concern. It was just because they didn't want unhoused people to be taking up the medical services so that uh, that housed people could take advantage of. So they, they throw us on the back burner. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's cheaper to put us in a hotel room than to put us in a hospital. Exactly. I was in the burn center 11 days. Mm-hmm. Um, the hospital bill for my stay at that burn center came close to a million and a half dollars. Oh, my that's expensive. That's where the two surgeries and then, I mean, I didn't realize it was that expensive. Mm-hmm. The problem, I, the thing I see though is that um, having the homeless housed in these hotels, in my opinion, mm. it was a good thing in the beginning. But, but where are they going to go afterwards? That, that too. So they said they're going to house them afterwards. But they're not because there's a big scandal in the Los Angeles Times talking about they're throwing out people that were there mm-hmm. to put other poor people there. The whole idea was, which, which the governor claimed to say, is what we were going to do is project room key to project home key. That they get a spot, you know, that they can be, well, we won't throw them out on the streets. Well, guess what? The shelters shut down in the parks and recreations. 
the shelters are, are people are private room key is running out of money mm -hmm. and unhoused people are going to go back on the streets mm -hmm. and there are new unhoused people that i've interviewed that's going to be jacked up too so that's the reality of what's been going on the thing that bothers me the most about it is that those of us who don't want to be in these rooms who don't want to be a burden on society we would rather be able to just set up a tent somewhere to the side out of the way mm -hmm. and live like that not bothering anyone they don't want us to do that they but here's the there yeah. they off, they, they step. i mean there were people who were out of the way not bothering anyone and they would come in droves in their little vans and trucks mm -hmm. and say hey do you want to go to a, a hotel mm -hmm. okay and um, a lot of people said no i don't want to go to a hotel i'd rather stay here right Part of the reason, too, is because they act like they treat them like they're in jail, in prison, too. People don't get that's the, That's why. When you go into these hotels, you have to submit yourself to room searches and, and, and the property searches that are um, unconstitutional, in my opinion. Right, right, right. I mean, they're, they're searching for stuff. As far as I understand about the laws for um, search and seizure mm -hmm. uh, under the Fifth Amendment, they can't do that without a search warrant. Yeah. But they do it anyway. Yeah. And they use that as a, as, as, as a reason to keep people out of these hotels. Okay. We're glad you have to search my property and this is a hotel. And not only that too, let's say for example is people are dealing with like substance usage or mental health issues and they, you know, they're not gonna magically become uh, sober and they have a relapse and then you throw them back out on the street. But they were, you know, they had their situation together or they were had some semblance of their own stuff, but now they started all over again. Yeah. And you know what's so sad about that is that once they do kick them all back out on the street, mm -hmm. they're gonna be ten times worse than they were before. Yeah because they get used to living a certain way in these hotels and everything's a certain way. They're not gonna have it that way when they hit the streets again and they're gonna want some semblance of that and they're not gonna be able to get it and it's gonna cause problems. Mm -hmm. It's gonna cause serious problems. Mm -hmm. For myself, this is the third time I've set up what I call my home. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't, my house looks like this because I like it to be like a home. Mm -hmm. I don't like being in a tent with just a sleeping bag on the floor and a couple of suitcases. Exactly. I like to be able to turn on my TV and watch TV, mm -hmm. listen to my music, cook something to eat, yeah. have somebody over to have, you know, for dinner or whatever, right. have a nice cold drink. I like to have, be able to have all these things without being a burden on society. I don't ask society for nothing. But you also want to have a semblance of something what you had before, because you, all every unhoused person that I've interviewed have the same thing. They want something on a semblance of normalcy. They want to be where they, you know, not a burden to society, true, but they also want to live, not like they're having to survive at a moment's notice if they're worried about their head gonna be bashed in or stabbed to death or with all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I went from living in a $3,000 a month apartment over on Willis and Ventura Boulevard mm -hmm. to living here. And then prior to that apartment, I went from living in a $3 million house mm -hmm. to living in that apartment. So I know how, how, how to live in a lap of luxury. Mm -hmm. This is not the lap of luxury. Right. This is barely getting there, barely making it. This is an air mattress. This is yes. not a real mattress. Right. Okay, and I have to replace it every three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm struggling every day just to survive, just to make it. You know, people come through here who are not homeless mm -hmm. and they glance inside my tent. I think you're living in a lap of luxury. They see right? a big screen TV and mm -hmm. they hear music playing and they think, oh my God, look at this guy. You know, they see the lights. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they and they think, wow, you know, he has made. Well, because there was a nasty report by this uh, uh, horrible reporter saying McMansions or having a tiki bar and things like that. And when you say this, what what do you say when people think you're living like you're in a mansion? I tell them, show me a mansion that looks like this. <laughs> show me a mini mansion that looks like this. Better mm -hmm. than that, show me a house that looks like this. Mm -hmm. I'm not living in a mansion. You know what I'm saying? I'm on, I, I get food stamps every month like any poor person does. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, I have to live every day from hand to mouth. Mm -hmm. It's not like 
I can go to the bank anytime I want to pull money out or write a check. If I get sick, I have to hope that the paramedics take me to a hospital. The last time I got sick, they kicked me out of the hospital. Oh, really? I crawled, I crawled on my hands and knees from the door of the hospital to the sidewalk where I collapsed because they found heroin in my system. They said that I was self-medicating and that there was nothing they could do for me and they kicked me out of the hospital. I can't believe that. Wow. With, with kidney stones and I mean, I can show you my surgical scars. Oh, I almost died. You know what I'm saying? I almost died. You know, and same thing with the burns. It's mm -hmm. like, when I sat on the corner for two hours, and when the paramedics finally showed up, they were like, oh my God, because I had blisters everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're like, what happened? And I told them, mm -hmm. and they began to panic. Well, where's this RV at? Is the other guy okay? Mm -hmm. All of these different things. And I realized, so I mean, that the reason they were treating me that way was because they didn't know I was homeless. Mm -hmm. Had they known I was homeless, I wonder if they had treated me the same way. Yeah. They took me to the best hospital that I could ever go to mm -hmm. for, for treatment, which is the, um, the A. Grossman Burn Center in West Hills. Right. It's the, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar corporation that caters to those who can afford it. Mm. I got lucky, yeah. you know, and uh, God bless them. They, I mean, they, 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 they pretty much, they kept me from going, I could have died, mm -hmm. much, you know, and um, I'm grateful for that. But, it's just sad how we get treated out here. It's like people shy away from us as if we have a disease or something. And I'm going to know for a fact, I'm out here with these homeless people. Mm -hmm. There are less homeless people with COVID right. than the general public. Exactly. But the general public insist on being putting themselves in front of us. Yeah. And I actually had someone have the nerve uh, on um, uh, who was obviously very sheltered and ignorant mm -hmm. say, get offended about I'm saying how people have more COVID uh, outbreaks than unhoused people and it's a fact <laughs> it is a fact it goes back to the um when they had the um the black plague back in the um 16th 17th century mm -hmm. when um ignorant people locked themselves in their houses with the disease because they didn't know any better mm -hmm. which caused 20 million 20 million people to die yeah and the thing is is that ignorance is always gonna you know stupid shit is always gonna follow ignorance and ignorance is always gonna put people in a bad place mm -hmm. i wear a mask because I'm afraid somebody in the general public is going to give me the Exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when I go to a gas station or a store or something mm -hmm. and I have my mask on, they're worried about me because I'm homeless, mm -hmm. but I'm worried about them because they're not. Right. Because they're the ones who are doing the that's spreading it, not me. Yeah. I'm not spreading COVID. Yeah. The general public is spreading COVID. Yeah. And if the people woke up and saw that, they would realize that, well, maybe the homeless has something going on here. Basically, it's just keep it to yourself. You know, keeping your hands clean, keeping, you know, and basically not interacting in a way that would be hazardous to your health or the other person's health. Mm. They won't allow us into the hospitals, thank God, because mm -hmm. that's where it's at. Mm -hmm. You know? They literally, if you're homeless, come to a hospital, they tell us that we can't be admitted or we can't be seen because of COVID. Mm. Okay, well, guess what? Your hospitals, all your bids are filled with people that are from the general public. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you about the homeless? Mm -hmm. You must be doing something right. Or if you're doing something wrong, which I, I, turned out to be right because I haven't had any symptoms of COVID. Yeah. And when I was in the hospital for this, the burn for the explosion, mm -hmm. they kept testing me for COVID, which drove me crazy because mm -hmm. they stick a Q-tip all the way up into your sinus cavity. Mm. And it was driving me nuts. I was like, stop doing that. You mm -hmm. know, it's just like, well, we have to test you. Why do you have to test me for COVID? Mm -hmm. Because you're homeless. Because I'm homeless. Mm -hmm. How many people that you know who have COVID that are homeless? Mm -hmm. And they had to shut up. Yeah. Because all of them that knew people that were had COVID were not homeless. Yeah. They were very well-to-do people that were wealthy who had, you know, living. 
Oh my God, the president was exposed too. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. You know, um, the Prince of England was exposed to it. Yeah. And now uh, here's a man whose mama's worth billions of dollars, and he was exposed to COVID. Mm -hmm. What does that tell you? It's like I'm tired of people judging me. I mean, it's like I'm black, and I don't even worry so much about being judged, uh, being judged for being black anymore. Prejudice was rampant in this country in the '60s and '70s. Mm -hmm. Now I'm worried more about being criticized or 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 or, or, or um, attacked because I'm homeless. Mm -hmm. When did being homeless become a crime? When did it be? When did being without the ability to live in a house become a crime? Why is it because I don't have a house and a car and two and a half kids? Why is it a crime? What did I ever do to anybody? I didn't do anything to anybody. My wife has everything anybody could ever want right now. She's less than 10 miles from me. And she's one of the most depressed people I know on the planet. Why is it that it's not a crime that she's living in lack of luxury, but it's a crime that I'm living out on the block? Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, a cop told me one day, I said, I don't have any ID. Well, you're not going to arrest you for that. Why? What if somebody just stole my ID an hour ago? Mm -hmm. Why am I being tortured and, 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 and picked on and harassed because I don't have an ID? I don't have an ID because every time you mother look at it you want to take me to jail i mean my history my my, my, my history <laughs> on the books when they look at my my, my police record they stop talking to me uh -huh. because they know i have nothing to say to them i already know what the game is i know what's going to happen uh -huh. so i don't speak to them but when i sit here and watch like this morning when they came through and harassed uh -huh. when they came through and harassed him this morning uh -huh. he wasn't bothering anybody they pulled up on him on in droves and, and messed with him for almost an hour they were trying to find some way to take his stuff or to take his trailer and tow it. He came through two weeks ago and, and towed people's vehicles and just took them. You know these people can't afford to get that stuff out of the impound. So it's just gone. My homegirl down the way, they had two RVs full of stuff. They towed both their RVs with hundreds of dollars worth of things in them, would not let them get their things out of these RVs, took the RVs away, and they, they, they weren't able to recover their things. Why is that okay? That would never be acceptable in the private sector. These RVs parked out here, they harass them all the time. I can go back into any of these neighborhoods and there's RVs parked all in front of those houses, mm -hmm. in the driveways. The police never say anything to them about those RVs. Yeah. Why? Because nobody's living in them? I don't understand it, man. You know, I'm just one person, I mean, amongst thousands, right? We're only trying to live every day, man. You know, yourself and myself, we're both lucky to be alive, bro. Living out here on these streets, we're lucky to be alive. I agree. You know, because not only do we have each other to worry about in terms of being victimized. The general public victimizes us, the police victimize us. You know, pretty soon the National Guard's gonna be in here victimizing <laughs> us. You know, it's not gonna be long, man. This is Theo Henderson from Weed In House, and I thank you for taking your time. I want to ask is, but could we come back to check on you, husband? Thank you, man. Let me tell you what you're going through, bro. Thank you. Uh, like I said, you have seen like you have much of it, and I hope you have a safe holiday, and I wish uh, more of our, our listeners meet in the light of understanding and listening to your words. Thank you very much for your time. Understand one thing, we're not the enemy. We're not the enemy, we're the same person that you are. You only fell on a little bit of hard luck. You know, that's all it is, man. We're just like you, you know? Well said, well said.
Center. Um, this is pre-election results. We are in uh, in a festive environment. There's Black Lives Matter. The youth are out here enjoying themselves, showing uh, solidarity, and a way to uh, to just basically just be together in a tumultuous time. In the studios here, I have Dr. Melina Abdullah, and I'm going to uh, give her an interview. I think she's in the middle of a conversation, so we're going to have to play this right here. Uh, we just want to ask you a few words, because you're a very busy lady. We, we just want to thank you all for uh, taking the time to talk with us. So what is going on here? I just noticed there's a lot of festivity. It just makes you want to cut a rug. Boss, you know? <laughs> this is the Marathon Black Lives Matter Marathon Party at the Poles. We've been here since 7 o'clock this morning. Oh, my God. We've been here until the polls are you optimistic with the difference where results are going to be? Absolutely. We are declaring a victory on every level. We don't get the evil out the White House, or at least the current evil out the White House. We're going to get Jackie Lacey out of the district. We're going to get measures 8 passed, perhaps 15, 16, 17 passed, and we're going to kill I noticed too is like for the unhoused, like there's conversation going on about 4118 and they're trying to amend it. And we're trying to, the unhoused community and other activists are trying to gear up for the election of 2022. And November 24, they're trying to really push this, ram this through the public. What is the, uh, what suggestions do you have in order for us to really make sure that this doesn't come to pass? Well,
voting holds a different resonance for people of color that are of African ancestry, in this country in particular. In that, that when I created this episode, I wanted to show that some of the music and the undercurrent that outside cultures that don't understand. And when I was creating this, uh, this episode, I could see the dearth of cultural significance and understanding sometimes when I would introduce certain uh, musical uh, selections, um, you know, or trying to find how to weave what that struggle is and what the deeper complexities of the issue of today um, doing the video of We Dear the House. So I'm going to explain a little bit about what is called the Black National Anthem. When I was a child, um, this was something that was instilled in us to show a living tapestry of our history. Many people uh, look to the Star Spangled Banner as some kind of uh, uplifting and a motivator. For many people of African ancestry or that lived in a certain time through this country, took the Negro National Anthem, lift every voice and sing as such. And the first stanza talks about it when it says, lift every voice and sing to earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Now that's usually when you can hear tea parties or Republicans talk that nonsense when they're talking about a mask and, and the lack thereof. But for people that have been in bondage for several centuries, uh, that, that has a different significance. For people that talk about when they were stripped from their motherland, stripped and enforced here, that's a different significance. And it ain't got a thing to do with people's mask or a, a, a constitutional right for about a mask. It's also about their, um, their humanity. So when we go from lift every voice and sing, and from earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise. That means once we are free, let it rise. And as you can see, that we are still rising and lifting our voices and to vote. Let it resound as loud as the rolling seas. That means that our collective uh, chanting, our collective rejoicing will move mountains and move the earth off its axis, if you will, off the axis of injustice. And then the second and third standards talks about the struggles of the past because we, uh, our African ancestry dealt with a lot of the spoken word. And in order for keeping our lineage and our, our, our lines of history connected. Uh, so when we talk about the size and the struggles and stony the road we trod, literally we're talking about the physical uh, aspect and torture of that. So the second and third stanzas are equally more important. And for the generations that now that has been embroiled with people uh, talking about calling it black supremacy or or just willfully ignorant and, and, and desecrating the historical advances and the, um, the, the advances of our people, that's that's really problematic. But it's also an issue that we as a society, we should push back and let our voices rise as loud as the rolling sea to push back against that hate. We are trying to do that with the voting uh, of this, this election, but we need to still uh, let uh, God of our weary years, our weary years have not been complete. We still have a few more uh, dark times, but we must still stony the road we trod, God of our lightning rod. So we need to continue to press on. 
So this narration of Balthus is to implore non-African ancestry uh, people to understand it's more about just smacking a music on just to tie on an episode. This was our legacy. This was our coded language because we couldn't read and write. This was our language to ourselves to continue to press on through the darkness and to, for us to get to the point of liberty, not only celestial, but also earthbound. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy and Howes. I hope this education will resound in your ears and pass on to the next generation. May we all meet in the light of understanding.